Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Praise God for His faithfulness. Praise God that He's not like man where He waits for a great audience or for you to have everything together for him to show up he'll take the little bit that you have that's presented to him with sincereness of heart and humility and honor and he will bless it with his presence praise God though we we had a skeleton crew of a worship team they were mighty in raising up an offering that would Allow the king of glory to come in. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Pastor Donald. For those of you guys that don't know, um, I am the teaching pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship. Um, And uh, it is an honor and a blessing to be here before you guys this morning. Um, I'm just going to keep it 100 with you guys this morning. And for those of you that don't know what that phrase means, I'm going to just be transparent with you this morning, if you would allow me to. Um, This morning was kind of a rough morning. I don't know why it was until um, I think probably actually when I started, it it was being revealed to me why it was a rough morning this morning as I got here. Because as I got up this morning, I was was pretty weak. I felt weak. I I, I know it's been a long week. There was a lot of things going on, but it was like it wasn't that. It didn't have anything to do with what, with what I was feeling this morning. And as I'm getting ready and preparing to come to church this morning, um, I, I, I felt like I heard the enemy kind of whisper in my ear, like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And so I continue getting on, getting on with my day and getting ready and to tell you, to tell you the truth, I was, I just felt very spent. I felt, felt very weak, but it was something about once I got in my car and the closer I got to the house of God that I began to feel that break off of me. And it, and it, and it was, and, and, and as I entered into the, the building that, that, that my strength seemed to, to be renewed. And like, I felt like there was a fresh, a fresh strength and a fresh thing. And so I don't think that it was a coincidence that this happens to me on, on the day that we're opening up growth groups. I don't, I don't think that it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't really believe in coincidence, but I just think that there was something to it. The fact that when I, when I entered into the house, when I, when I did what God commanded, despite of how I felt, That I found strength. Do you realize that worship is not the music that we sing, the, the music and the songs that we sing, the instruments that we play? Do you know, realize that the, the actual word in Hebrew, when you hear about worship, that the first time you ever find worship, there was no music. When we find the word worship, the first time ever mentioned in scripture, it is a, a, a man who is long, long, long in years of age who is taking his son that he was just promised that has come to fruition. He takes his son and he goes up a mountain to sacrifice his son to God. 
He tells his servants as he leaves them at the foot of the mountain, he says, me and my son will go up to worship and we will return unto you. So worship is obedience. It has nothing to do with a song. It has nothing to do with how you feel. But it has everything to do with you following, submitting, yielding, and acting upon the word of God. I don't have a title for today's message, but what I want to share with you guys is that it's important for us to understand that in the time and the age that we're living in, we're living in the age of lying wonders right now. I don't know. I, I, I grew up here in KJV, so I, 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 a lot of my references are kind of old school. But, but I remember being a young man growing up in church and, and them talking about the end coming and, 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 and everything. I'm not here to preach gloom and doom to you this morning. I believe that, that God still has a hope and a future for every one of us. Like Jeremiah 29, 11 says that there are great things ahead of us, but there's also an end. To be expected. And so it's under, there's an understanding that there's going to be a great falling away of people from the church. There's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be the, the, the evil one that's going to come and he's going to be bringing lying wonders. And there's a lot of lying wonders that are happening that we see. Like the, the, I don't know if you guys pay attention to technology, but there's AI going on. Right. And, and this, this stuff is pretty tricky because it's been causing a lot of confusion. And Lord forbid if that, that, that social media is your only form of, 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 of information which you gather to, to try and make decisions and live your life by because there's a lot of things out there that sound like the truth. See, the thing is, is the enemy's not going to come to you with a lie. He's going to come with you, come to you with deception. Because deception is a half truth. So that's why it sounds good. And so, it's important for us to have a, a, high, a high priority of knowing the word of God for ourselves. If you read Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it talks about the Bereans. God has called us to be like the Bereans. I don't know if you guys know, I, I grew up in Sacramento for, for a little bit of part of my childhood, and there was a Bible bookstore called Bereans Bible Bookstore that was up there. Remember, because my mom used to go there, my mom was super saved, and she raised us kids to be super saved, and uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, like, straight up, like, my mom was, like, serious about training up children in the way that they should go. And so Berean Bible Bookstore, I didn't know what Berean meant. I didn't know where it came from. I just knew that was the name of the Bible Bookstore. But when I got old enough to be able to read the scriptures for myself, Acts chapter 17, 11 explains who the Bereans were. It said that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And they listened to the apostles' teachings and they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. And so I want to charge you this morning to be a Berean. Hopefully you're sitting in here and you're not just taking what I'm saying like this is some TED talk, but that you actually open up your Bible and you brought your Bible with you and you, you're, you're able to see what the word says for yourself. That you not be deceived, led astray, bamboozled, run amok. Listen, he ain't going to come at you with a lie. He's going to come at you with deception. Listen, I'm going to share with you guys a story real quick. There was a certain man who wanted to enter the ministry and went to a Bible college to be examined. 
There he was asked to tell the story of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And this is his version. It says, once upon a time, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked him and he went on and didn't have any money. He went to the queen of Sheba and she gave him 1,000 talents of money and 100 changes of raiment. And then he got into a chariot and drove furiously. And when he was driving under a big old juniper tree, his hair done got caught up and tangled in the limb of the tree. And he hung there many days and the ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink. Afterwards, he was hungered and he ate 5,000 loaves and two small fishes. One night while he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came along and cut off his hair and he dropped and he fell on stony ground. But he got up and went on and it began to rain and it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights and he hid himself in a cave. He lived on locusts and wild honey. Then he went on till he met a servant who said, come take supper at my house. But he began to make excuses and said, no, I won't. I married a wife and I can't go. And the servant went out into the highway and the hedges and compelled them to come in. After the supper, he went on and came to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and saw Queen Jezebel sitting away up in a high window. And she laughed at him. And he said, throw her down. And they threw her down. He said, throw her down some more. And then they threw her down 70 times seven. And of the fragments they picked up, 12 baskets were full. Then they said... Now in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? The end. That sounds so absurd to us, right? As we, for those of us that halfway know what the Bible talking about, that sounds so absurd to us, right? He ain't going to come with you with the outrageous. He ain't going come to come at you with, with the stuff that's absurd. He's going to come, with you, come, at, come at you with the stuff that sounds pretty good. Listen, the Lord is building his church. He's building his church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones that have been called out to assemble together for meeting and worship. According to Matthew chapter 16, 18, you see Jesus telling Peter, he says, I'm building my church upon the rock. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you realize that the gates of hell are not something that are offensive, but they are defensive, which means that the church is to be offensive, which means we're to be on the move. We're supposed to be active, pressing back the gates of hell. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us as the church, which means we're supposed to be going in as mercenaries from heaven, the kingdom of God, and snatching people out. God is building his church. So this morning, I want to focus on three gifts that God has given his church. Though we live in an age of lying wonders, though we live in an age of great deception, though we live in the age where there's mass information and disinformation, God has given us gifts that we are able to withstand these times that we live in. Amen? So three gifts that God has given to his church. One is the word. We need to put a high priority on knowing the word of God. 
Why? Because John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So if we're to know the word, that means if we know the word, the more we get to know who God is, because he is the word. There's nothing that was made that was made without him. And then the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. If you're reading John chapter 1, that's what it tells us, and it's speaking of Jesus. God, who was made flesh, who came and dwelt amongst man, and he was the light. And from then and until now, the darkness has never overcome the light. So we need the word. We need to know it. Why? Because God has also called us to be the light of the world. As the church, we're to be the light of the world. We can't allow the darkness to snuff us out. Another reason why we need to know the word, James chapter 1 verse 21 tells us that we need to receive the word of God, which is able, the engrafted word, the implanted word, receive it in our hearts because it is able to save our very souls. Amen. John chapter 6 verse 63 talks about how the word is spirit and life. Hopefully you note takers, you're writing this down because it's not going to be up on the board for you. Second gift that we have is the Holy Spirit, which is the greatest gift. We have the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 explains who the Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit is our helper, our advocate. Or if you want to, if you, if for those that, that are, 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 are Greek theologians in here, he is Allos Parakletos, which means he is our great and holy helper. He is our advocate. He is our teacher. He will lead us into all truth. He always bears witness with the first gift, which is the word of God. Remember, we're living in an age of lying wonders. So Holy Spirit is who helps us to discern not good from evil, but good from almost good. The third gift that I'd like to talk about that I'd like to highlight is the fellowship. The fellowship of the brethren. Hebrews chapter 10, 25 tells us not to forsake the fellowship. We've been commanded to be in fellowship. What we're doing right now here is a form of fellowship. Us assembling together today is a part of the fellowship. And not only us assembling here today, but what we're promoting today is growth groups. Because here at the Building Christian Fellowship, our saying is here we grow, right? Again, no coincidence. But the fact is, is that God desires for his people not to just stay babes in the faith, but that they grow into mature sons and daughters who bear his likeness, who have his attributes, right? We talk about here at the Building Christian Fellowship, right? Welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship. Here we like to focus on four things. Building up your faith, building up your hope, building up your love, and building a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't ask that you just come to church. We ask that you become the church, right? But I kind of want to flip it on his head. Let me, let me flip it on his head for a minute. Can I do that? The world is offering you the exact opposite. But again, they're not going to be as blatant and up in your face. It'll sound more so like, welcome to the Manifesting Christian Fellowship. 
Here we like to focus on four things. Manifesting your faith, manifesting your hope, manifesting your love. And building a surface superficial relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't even ask that you come to church. Because you are the church. Say I'm lying. Because really in reality, what they're not telling you is that we're corrupting your faith. We're corrupting your hope. We're corrupting your love. Which are attributes and byproducts of having a superficial surface level relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't even care about relationships with one another. Why? Because we're vampire Christians. We want his blood, but we don't want his body. The devil is a lie. Why is it important for us to be part of a growth group? Why is it important for us to be connected with one another? Why is it important for us to be locked in? It's important for us because if we remain alone, we die. If we remain alone, we die. So here I'm going to, we're, we're going to get into the text, the main text of today, which is second, I'm sorry, uh, which is Titus, book of Titus, chapter two. Getting a little ahead of myself, but one of the things that we have to understand is that in this day and age we live in, with the cancel culture, with the lying wonders, with the the the, the AI deep fakes and all this stuff that's going on, right? That's meant to deceive and cause confusion. We know that God is not the author of confusion. We know who the author of confusion is, correct? I, I hope I hope we do. But when you read Second Timothy, it talks about how there's, there come, there's coming a time. He warned, Paul's warning Timothy about how there's coming a time where the people won't endure sound doctrine anymore. Remember, we have to have a high premium, a high, a high priority of what the word of God is, right? We need to know the word for ourselves. We need to be Bereans, right? We need to search the scriptures daily to see whether, whether, we're, what, what, whether what we're hearing is so. And so he talks about how that, that people won't endure sound doctrine and they'll begin to gather for themselves teachers that will tickle their ears and give them what it is that they want to hear and try and solidify and justify the stance that they've already taken against the word and the authority of God's word. This is the day and age that we're living in. But Paul writes to, to Titus He's telling them, this is why it's important to have growth groups. This is important why we don't forsake the fellowship. This is why. This is why having a high priority on the word of God, which is a gift to the, to the body, why, why being honorable to the greatest gift, the Holy Spirit, and making room for him is important. And this is why the fellowship is important. Titus 2, he says this, but as for you, Teach the things which are in agreement with sound doctrine. 
which produces men and women of good character whose lifestyle identifies them as true Christians. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and steadfastness, Christ-like in character. Sounds like he's really breaking this down so we can understand what the church is supposed to look like. You guys following? Verse 3. Older women similarly, similarly are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor addicted to much wine, teaching what is right and good, so that they may encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and their children, to be sensible, pure, makers of a home where God is honored, good-natured, being subject to their own husbands, so the word of God will not be dishonored. Mm. Mm. Sounds like that's, that's in direct opposition of what you'll come across on social media. Right? Uh, we, got, we got all the men now becoming, come, having midlife crisis at, in their 20s, in their 30s, in the pursuit of being a high-valued man. Following the prophet Kevin, Kevin Samuels. Following top G. We got this alpha male mentality. We dealt, we dealt with that in the last men's breakfast. The alpha male mentality, which is something from the animal kingdom. I believe that, that, that uh, Romans chapter 1 explained to us and told us that, that when man has cast off restraint and he no longer honors God for who he is, that he begins to worship the created thing rather than the creator. So here it is. We, we, we've gone to the point of where we're, we're, we're trying to assimilate to the animal kingdom. Listen, is giving very explicit instructions, encouraging us for what the order is, and we are to maintain this order in the midst of a world that is full of chaos and confusion. So it's telling the women, the older women, to be an example for the younger women. It's telling the older men to be an example to not just the younger men, but also to everybody. As you can see, there's an established order. Verse 6, it says, in a similar way, urge the young men to be sensible and self-controlled and to behave wisely, taking life seriously. And in all things, show yourself to be an example of good works with purity and doctrine, having the strictest regard for integrity and truth, dignified, sound and beyond reproach in instruction so that the opponent of the faith will be ashamed, having nothing bad to say about us. You know, the world loves and will jump at any opportunity to point out when we ain't walking or living this out. I don't know if you guys really understand how much of an offense to God it is when, when his people don't follow his, his instructions and live above reproach 
and the world points it out. Do you realize that, that you know, we make, a, we make a lot of reference and a lot of joking to, to the David and Bathsheba situation, but that's considered like probably the second greatest offense against God besides the Garden of Eden. So much so that not only in the church, but in secular realms, people know the story pretty well. It was so offensive to God that when you read the story and you read the account of what took place in that whole scenario, that God had a strong consequence for David that though he was a man after his own heart, though David uh, repented and made a sacrifice to God, that the word that he gave him, he says, because you have done this thing, because you've allowed your faith to be corrupted, because you've allowed hope to be corrupted, because you've allowed love to be corrupted. God takes it serious when it comes to man and and wife. He takes it serious. That's why he's giving instructions right here to, to Paul. He's like, in my church, make sure that the older women, the older wives are teaching the younger women to be wives. It's not, it's not a popular thing these days, right? It's not a popular thing to, to, to be a wife. We live in the age of the independent woman. We live in the age of, of, of rugged independence overall. We live in the age of blank them kids. Can, can we keep it? Can we keep it 100? If you can see Things are slowly programming society to deteriorate what God has established and ordained. So God takes this thing seriously. When you out there making his name look bad, David took another man's wife. Notice that when they're naming Jesus's genealogy, because Jesus is a descendant of David, that when he says David and Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife, not David's wife. Because what God has put together, let no man put asunder. So what what does he tell David? He tells David, he says, because you've done these things, he's like, the sword, violence will never depart from your house. Never. Never. And as you read the story, you find out that the baby that they conceived died. Though we know that they had another one, they ended up having Solomon. But David's other kids, treachery. Kids killing each other. Kids coming after him, making assassination attempts, trying to dethrone him and take over his kingdom. God is offended when we misrepresent who he is. Sometimes we'll we'll act like illegitimate children because we feel like he's forgotten us. We feel like we're forgotten. I need you to understand today that you have been bought with a price 
You've been purchased with a price. He paid too high of a price to ever forget you. He don't look at you like some loose change that he left in, left in a pair of pants. And you, you, I know y'all, some of y'all done had that before. You, you, he had, some, had a loose dollar or something, and you went pants. You're like, oh, shoot. Nah, you ain't like that. He has the hairs of your head numbered. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what it is that you're going through. He knows everything. Even your darkness is light to him. And so what he's saying is I need you to not just want my blood, but to want my body as well. I need you to be locked in. I need you to be connected. I need you to be a part of the fellowship of believers. So the enemy and the world can't undo what it is that I've done. You have to have a high priority of my word, high honor and regard for my spirit, and you have to have enough humility to be a part of my body and be connected. Why? Because as members, we submit ourselves one to another. We submit ourselves one to another. Again, the world is, is offering rugged independence. But for us, we are to be in dependence of him. Let's look at what the world views in, in versus God's view. So number one, the world's view says home is a boring, drudge, drudgy place. Whereas God is saying home is a haven come to, to come to from the world. Give you guys a little bit of background on my story. My wife and I are coming, coming to, to the point where we're considered almost considered empty nesters. Our youngest, our youngest baby just turned 16 today. And... We're on the verge of having three adults because the twins will be 18 in January. And so for the better part of almost, shoot, 21 years, my wife has been a homemaker. Now, mind you, she comes from a household where there's, there's, there's always been two parents who worked hard. Now they're, living, now they're living in retirement and enjoying their retirement, but they've always been hard workers. Raised her to be a hard worker. One of the reasons that, that made me, like, I want, I want to be able to provide to, to the point where she could be at home. Not that she just expected it. Like some of these, 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 these girls on, on the internet. <laughs> but the fact that I knew she was a hard worker, because she's not going to be, she's going to be at home holding it down. Training up our children in the way they should go, making our house a home. Like you know, for those of you that have been around long enough, you know that a house is not a home. So, anyhow, no. But keeping it real though, she she she's been a homemaker for almost twenty one years now. 
And it's the opposite of what the world is feeding. You got to understand that anytime that we're, we're choosing to walk the path that God has laid before us, that there's going to be opposition. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be things that are trying to, the subtle uh, suggestions of the enemy are going to be coming to us, trying to make us second guess that God's plan for us is good. Number two, it'll tell you that homemaking and children are a burden. But God says they are his good gifts. If you need reference to that, Psalm 127. Number three says value, material success, and self-gratification now. But God is saying value character and godliness and invest in the future. One of the greatest investments we made, we had to understand there were many times along the way, trust me, even sometimes now, that we have, we have experienced brokenness, being broke, okay? Let me just put it out there, being broke, all right? Brokenness. But we had to understand that, look, man, we, we, we're making investments. We've made investments in our children, and we've been blessed over and over again, not monetarily, but we've been blessed in seeing the fruit that our kids are serving the Lord as teenagers in the midst of this generation. I don't know if you guys been seeing it, seeing it in the news and stuff, all these smash and grabs and all these, these mobs of teenagers that are assaulting people and stuff. My kids ain't named among them. Prayerfully, your kids aren't named them. That's something to rejoice about. Because you've made an investment. You've made eternal investment into your children. But the world's telling you, no, get out, get it now, manifest that. Take that, take that. Number four, it says, place children in child care. I put asterisks there. Please, please, hold fast. I'm going to explain, okay? Don't come for me. Versus what God's saying, parents should teach their child and, be, and, and, and basically teach their children and train them up in the way that they should go. They should be their teachers. I, now, I put the asterisks there. I'm not talking about if y'all got to work and you have to put your kids in daycare. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about them that be sending their kids off to daycare so they go to the club, right? They, be, they, they, they going out catting off and doing all kinds of stuff. They want somebody else to teach their children. Sometimes daycare is a device. Can we keep it real? No, you as a parent are, are the, the, the first teacher of your child. That was one of the main reasons why we made the decision early on that Raquel would stay at home with the kids because we didn't want somebody, we didn't want to work just so somebody else could raise our kids. And like I said, it was, it was a sacrifice. We had, to, we had to understand that like, okay, when we, when we what is our why? Because when it gets tight and we want to give up and you want to go and run and get a job. We remember what we're doing. 
God is faithful. I don't know if you guys understand, but there were some, there were some encounters that we had when the kids were younger. Jericho almost drowned. The, 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 the girls were probably like three and five at the time and they left. They had, they had escaped. They escaped on my watch. Okay. On my watch. They escaped. Listen, they, they had escaped out of the house, out of the backyard and went trying to walk to their Nana's house and almost got hit by a car. And by the grace of God, there was a good Samaritan that followed them back to the house. Needless to say, there was some great correction that took place after that. But the fact is, is that God has been faithful. He's been faithful. We're telling our kids, instructing them in the way that they should go, feeling like it's going in one ear and coming out the other. Do you realize that, that it was literally the fact that we took time to implant the word of God in them as little kids? That's what saved Jericho's life from his drowning. Literally, the fact is, is that after the fact, we find out that he was saying while he was under the water, he said he, he said he heard God's voice and he said, put your foot on the rock. And he said, as soon as he put his foot on the rock, he stood up. I know you might think it sounds like a fairy tale. I don't know why God heals some men and not others. I don't know why God does what he does. I, I heard one dude say, he's like, I don't know why God heals some men and not others, but I ain't never heard of Muhammad healing brothers. God is sovereign. He's faithful. Number five, children, homemaking, and often marriage get in the way of self-achievement. But God says raising godly children is one of the ways to fulfill my purposes. Number six, demand your rights to fulfillment. But God is saying give up your rights to become a servant. Do you realize that when you get promoted, that, that first of all, Scripture tells us that promotion comes from God. Promotion comes from the Lord. Do you realize that when you get promoted, it's not because, oh, you're some great leader. It's because you serve well. You get promoted to be a greater servant. Do you realize that? That's why, that's why some of us get so frustrated when we're, those of us who still have regular jobs and stuff like that, and we get supervisors that, like, they weren't a servant. They somehow, they, they based their promotion off of something else. That promotion didn't come from God. Right. You know that. Right. It wasn't because they were such a great servant that they got promoted. It was because they, you know, they was the president's cousin or something like that. You know, what I mean, it's, it's something like that. Y'all been in situations like that. But true promotion comes from God. And it's because the fact that he sees you being the servant of all that he will elevate you to be even a greater servant. Verse nine, it says this, it says. Urge bond servants 
to be subject to their own masters and everything, to be pleasing and not talk back, not stealing things regardless of value, taking them pins from work, um, but proving themselves, <laughs> but proving themselves trustworthy so that in every respect they will adorn and do credit to the teaching of God, our Savior. Y- y'all know y'all done did it before a stop. Let's keep it real. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. Lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. Verse 13, awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Listen, what we just read It talks about the grace of God, and the grace of God is a work of Holy Spirit. That's why we have to have high honor for the Spirit of God. That's why the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that God has given to us as his church. As I come to a close, he has given us the greatest gift, the Holy Spirit, who is able to equip us and empower us. Like most of us, we think, we've been taught to think that grace is there for our mess-ups, and we read the scripture and we say, well, where sin abounds, grace all the much more abounds, right? That don't mean that you can just continue on sinning. Let me, let me explain something to you. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. This is how, this is how I'll give you the analogy. Hopefully you know that your car needs oil. Hopefully. Right? The genie lamp that shows up in gold in your, in, in your, in your dash, that, that doesn't mean that everything's great. That means that you, you pull over now and, and, and fix it, right? But your car needs oil. And if you think about grace, grace is like oil. We're saved by grace through faith. If I take oil and go pop the hood, and I just pour it around. I don't know about any of you guys ever been in a pinch and you, and you try to pour oil or put oil in your car without a funnel. It's, it's a mess. I don't care how steady you think your hand is and, and, or what, what it is. You need a funnel. And so that's why we, we talk about building up faith here because faith is a funnel by which we receive grace. The, the, the faith is the conduit that helps bring grace to where it needs to so it brings the power that it needs to us for, to, for us to get to where we need to go. Saved by grace through faith and it's explaining that this grace that we get is undeserved. That's all on God's account. 
You want to think of grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. I mean, it didn't cost us a dime, but it cost him everything. So that way we could be lended the power to do what is pleasing to him. Not lent the power so we can just continue to make mistakes and, 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 and keep asking forgiveness. Know that we can live victorious. And while we're living victorious, it, we're, we will make mistakes. But our goal is to live victorious, not to continue on in our mistakes. The grace of God teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires. It empowers us to live sensible, upright, godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. We're living in an age of lying wonders. We're living in an age of mass confusion, misinformation, disinformation. But we have the grace of God, the spirit of God that is empowering us to live godly lives above reproach to where nobody can say anything about us, to where we don't make God look bad. In verse 15, he, he finishes off the letter to, to Titus telling him, he says, tell them these things, encourage and rebuke with full authority. Let no one disregard or despise you. Conduct yourself and your teaching so as to command respect. Do you realize that God desires for us to be able to walk into a room and command respect? Not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Because wherever we go, we're carriers of his presence. That wherever we go, we can be the man and the ambassador in the room that he can activate at any moment to, to, to affect the atmosphere. I don't know how many dads or fathers or heads of house that we have in here that like, I like to set my thermostat. You better not touch it unless I tell you to. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be the thermostat. When we go into the room, that we're the thermostat. And when he touches us, that we affect the atmosphere. But you can't do that if you're not connected. You can't do that if you're not a part of it. You can't do that if you're only looking to benefit what it is that you can benefit and you're not worried about nobody else you can't be a vampire Christian they don't like the light they can't be in the sun he desires for us to walk in authority and we can't walk in authority if we're trying to be like the world. We can't walk in authority if we got one foot in and one foot out. We got to be locked in. We got to be dedicated. He says to encourage, rebuke. When David did what he did, There's a man named Nathan that came to visit David after he had killed Uriah or had Uriah. He arranged it for it to, to, to be done. And Nathan comes to his house, knocks on the door. He's like, hey, David. 
And he tells him this story. He said, hey, the, the, I, I like the way VeggieTales did it. They did a, did a tight little story. If you get a chance, look it up. But it was, it, it, was, it was pretty cool. But Nathan shows up and he says, hey, man, there was a man. And he had a ewe lamb, one little lamb that he had raised from the time that it was young and it was his only lamb but there was a man who lived nearby and he had flocks and flocks and flocks and he had a guest that came and visited him and rather than taking one of his from his many many flocks to sacrifice and 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 for them to enjoy he went killed the man took his lamb so that him and his 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 guests could enjoy it what do you think should happen? And David says, man, oh, you need, this man needs to pay four times what it is that he did. That was absolutely absurd. It was out of pocket and it was wrong. He says, David, you're that man. And then he began to read his mail and told him everything that he did. And he says, man, you, you, you've, you've sinned against God and you went and did this thing. And because of it, after, after you've done all these great exploits, after you've ki- killed your slain, your tens of thousands and your, your hundreds of thousands, and you've gotten all these victories because of your covenant with God, and, and you were called to keep a covenant with his people, you go and do this thing, and now you brought shame upon the name of the Lord when you were once his example. David, you're that man. When you're connected to a body of believers, you want a Nathan. Now we can we can we can go over it. We can go over the the, the whole the whole scenario, and we'd be like, "Well, where was Nathan in the first place?" Well, first of all, let's just let's just talk about how where, where was David in the first place, because it started the, the 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 scenario explaining that David was out of position. That during the time when kings are be off at war, he at the he at the house, chilling on the couch. We need Nathans. I believe Proverbs tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend. I don't want nobody making me feel good to the point of where I'm, I'm, I'm literally sacrificing my relationship with God and being who it is that he's called me to be just so I can hear what sounds good in the moment. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We need Nathans in our lives that will come and tell us, hey, man, you out of pocket. Hey, man, that's you. You the one that you, you over here trying to judge. But hey, look at look at that beam that's hanging out your eye. Why? Because in the fellowship of believers, being connected, we have accountability that helps us to stay the course, that helps us to model what it is that Paul has just told Titus. This is what I want my church to look like. I want the older men to teach the younger men. I need the older women to teach the younger women. I need them to be a community and a body of believers who are connected, that hold each other accountable. Why? Because of this. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. It says, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. Verse 25, not forsaking our meeting, our fellowship together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Amen. Let's stand. Don't be deceived. Jesus is coming back. And there are many distractions. The devil is being diligent. He's doing his due diligence to make sure that he can draw away as many as possible. And here it is in this fellowship of believers. I want to implore you. I want to beg you that if you're not connected, get connected. I believe that what I was feeling was something that allowed that this morning that, that the Lord, that the spirit of God was allowing me to kind of eavesdrop on what some people in here may have been feeling. Nobody cares. It's just me against the world. I, no, nobody cares. Well, I'm here to let you know this morning that's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God paid too high of a price to ever forget about you. But here's the flip, the flip side of that is you have to be obedient. You have to be willing to worship. You have to be willing to walk in obedience and be connected to his body. Don't be a bloodsucker. Don't be a vampire. Don't just want his blood and not his body. Don't be a parasite. He desires for you to be part of his royal priesthood. He desires for you to be part of his ecclesia, the called out ones, to be assembled together, a body fitly joined together. You have talents and abilities and gifts that he's given you that you might look at and you think, man, there's not much to it. No, his body needs it. And that's why you need to be connected. That's why we're having an opportunity today that you can sign up as soon as we're dismissed to go and sign up for a growth group. For those of you that are out there that are, that are tuned in online, go sign out, sign up for a, for a growth group. We have online stuff. But there's no reason for you to remain alone and isolated. Listen, I get it. I get it. God will leave. God was, wasn't lying when he, when he gave the illustration. Jesus wasn't lying when he gave the illustration that he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. But don't be the one that, that, that's, that's wandered into the lion's den. Tempting the grace of God. He's called you to be a part of his body he's called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light 
Will you come? Will you come? So today, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. If there's anybody in here and you like, I'm disconnected, I'm not, I'm not a part, come up here and we'll get it right today. You're not walking with Christ. You're not, you're not uh, uh, in the faith. You're not in the ark. You're not locked in. Listen, if you don't get locked in, you'll get locked out. You don't get locked in, you'll get locked out. Plain and simple. You don't believe it? Read read the encounter about the ark. Because it said God shut the door. It wasn't Noah that shut the door. God shut the door and the door was locked. And when it began to pour, they came banging on the door. You don't get locked in, you'll get locked out. My second petition is this. You're looking to get connected or you've been battling with, with, with depression of feeling isolated and alone, let us pray with you. Come, we'll pray with you. 